May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, this is our second week on a journey that we're taking over this year with what's called the Narrative Lectionary. Now, if you don't know what the Narrative Lectionary is, that's perfectly okay. In brief, for the last 30 years, we've been following a reading plan called a lectionary that has us every three years going through a cycle of readings. So we've worked through this cycle of readings 10 times through, and we said, do you know what? Let's change it up a bit. Let's try something a bit different. So we're using the narrative lectionary. And the way the narrative lectionary works is it takes a look at the story of scripture from beginning to end and tries to tell the story more or less in sequence. Now, you may know that the Bible is a very big book with a lot going on in it. So we're moving very quickly through the story. But I thought, for the sake of those who maybe haven't been with us for the last few weeks, pop quiz for those who have been. We've been talking about the story of Scripture like a play that unfolds in six acts. Can you remember the six acts? What is the first act? Creation. Creation is the first act. What's the second act? Fall. Yes. Fall is the second act. What's the third act? The calling of Israel. Yes, well done. That's a big one. What's the fourth act? Jesus. When in doubt, Jesus. Yes. What's the fifth act? Right now, it's the church, the period of the church. And what's the sixth and final act? I think I heard redemption. Yeah, that's, that, that fits. We've also talked about new creation. We haven't talked about it much. New creation. So we have this movement from creation, where God makes this beautiful planet, brings order out of chaos. Then we have what we call the fall, which is shorthand of saying, things get messed up. And they get messed up very quickly in the story. And they get so bad that, this was what we read last week, God brings a flood to wipe it all out and start over again. Well, God takes a look at that and says, ah, okay, I don't really like that. I'm not gonna work that way anymore. So then God says, here's how I'm gonna do things. I'm gonna work with people. And together, we're gonna work together to try and fix this problem. Now this problem is really just anything that gets in the way of flourishing. God wants a creation that flourishes, that thrives. And so we have this fall that brings in things that keep us from flourishing. So then God says, okay, I'm gonna work with people. So calls the nation of Israel, starting with Abraham. And that's the story we have today. We heard the calling of Abraham and Sarah. So God has said, I'm going to work to heal the world with people and calls Abraham. Now, at this point in the story, what we heard read today is actually Abram and Sarai. Later, they'll be called Abraham and Sarah. This is very interesting. When God calls Abram and Sarai, God says, just like we sang on our first hymn this morning, you will be my people and I will be your God. 
And one of the signs of that is that God changes their name. Now, do you know the, the special name of God that God gives when asked, what, what, what should we call you? Yahweh, Yahweh. Um, spelled uh, without vowels, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh. When Abram and Sarai become Abraham and Sarah, the ch that is so much in the name of Yahweh becomes part of their names. God is mixing their names with God's name as a sign of this, I will be your God, you will be my people. And it's so, so much a part of who you are that your name is going to change to reflect it. That's pretty cool. But let's back up a little bit. We're getting ahead of ourselves. So far in the story, we have Abraham and Sarah being called. Go, go to the land that I will show you. But why does God call this particular couple? Why? Why these people? Of all the people in the earth, why these people? Well, here's what we know about these people. In chapter 11, just before the reading we had today, we have this genealogical list of the descendants that come since Noah and the flood and all that. And we have Abram and Sarai. Their father is Terah. They come from a place called Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, that is in a place that will later be called Babylon. And if you think further ahead in the story, Babylon is the bad place. Because the Babylonians get powerful, and they come in and they just steamroll everyone, including Israel. And Israelites get taken into exile in Babylon. Okay, hold on to that. That's going to be important later. Abram and Sarah come out of Ur, Babylon. They go to a place called Haran. We don't know why. They just do. They just up and go. We know that they're having fertility problems and that Abraham is about 75 years old. Sarah's about 65. This is all we know about these people. And God chooses them out of everyone to be God's special people. Why? What's so special about them? Nothing. In short, nothing. Nothing is special about these people. Which is really good news for all of us. Isn't it? These are exactly the kind of people that God wants to work with. Extraordinarily ordinary people, like Abraham and Sarah. That's important because I know there are some people who have this feeling like they're just not worthy in God's eyes. For some reason, they've got the message that they, they aren't good enough, they don't measure up. And stories like the calling of Abraham and Sarah, and there are a bunch of stories in Scripture like this, is not true. God works with ordinary people. We don't know anything about these people. We don't know if they're morally upright. We don't know if the reason that they've left Ur to go to Haran is actually because they're mobsters and some rival mobsters are coming after them and they're getting out of town first. We have no idea. That could be the case. God chooses these people. And all they have to do when God gives this invitation to go, all they have to do is say yes. They just have to say yes. 
So these very ordinary people say yes to God's invitation, and they go. God says go, and they go, and that's basically the story today. There's not a whole lot of other detail. It's pretty straightforward. But God makes these three promises to them. I will give you land, I will give you numerous descendants, and I will bless you so that you can bless all the nations of the earth. So, remember, Abraham and Sarah come out of Babylon. We think that the book of Genesis probably finds its final edited form in the way we have it now around the period of the exile in Babylon. Very interesting that the editors of this book would include this little detail about where the matriarch and patriarch of the nation come from. They come from the same place that these people are suffering in exile. And they're really suffering because the promise was land. God, what's the deal? Where are you? What are you doing? We're supposed to be in this land you've given us, and we're not. But in that space emerges a prophet who picks up this thread of blessing, that you will be a blessing to the nations. And the prophet Jeremiah encourages the people in exile to pray for the city that you're living in and work for its well-being. Pray for the city and work for its well-being, even though you're in exile. Don't just long for the good old days. Be present where you are and make it better. Be a blessing to the nations. That's what we've been called to do. So right from the beginning, Abraham and Sarah are this sign of who the people of Israel are to be, that they're called not just for themselves, not just for their own good, but they're called to be a blessing wherever they are. And this is a stream of thought that Jesus picks up. Now, Jesus doesn't pick up everything from the Old Testament. There are some things that he just leaves right alone. This is one of the things that Jesus picks up. And in the gospel we heard today, these are the last words in Matthew's gospel. This is the last thing that we are to hear from Jesus. The risen Christ appears to his disciples and tells them to go. Just like Abraham and Sarah were told to go, the disciples are told to go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I taught you. The call of God is never just for us alone. It's always a call for us to go and be a blessing. There's always a go. Go and make disciples. Go tell the story. Go tell the story of God's love. Go tell what it means in your life. Go be a blessing. Pray and work for the well-being of your city. Feed the hungry. Take care of the refugees. Make sure vulnerable LGBTQ youth know that they are worthy and loved because of who they are. Walk with our indigenous neighbors on the path of truth and reconciliation. Go. And as you go, you go with this promise that Jesus says, remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Thanks be to God. Thank you.
Thank you. 